Hello and welcome to episode 51 of the Mental Health Gaming Podcast, one away from a birthday, which I can assure you we've still not planned yet. So as usual, I'm joined by Stu. How are we doing, Stu? Yeah, not bad. Yeah, 52 is going to be like a surprise party, but when the surprise is that we don't know what we're doing. No, it'll be just a bit more of this going, ah, yay, we've been here a year. <laughs> well, I'll try and think of something special as well, but you know. Don't hold your hopes out. <laughs> no. Um, well, you know, so technically, what is it, a week away? And in terms of the current climate, that's actually, we've got about a year's worth of planning ahead of us, so it's fine. You would think that we would fill that with, you know, good and useful and productive stuff, but it's not very likely, is it? No, well, that mainly comes down to there's quite a lot of good games out at the moment. So they're taking up a lot of time. So what have you been playing? Nothing new, but plenty more on the stuff that I have been playing. So, plenty more Dead Cells, you know, still making progress and enjoying it a lot. And also, mainly a lot of Resident Evil 5. So, I've been absolutely smashing that one. So, after we spoke last week, I think, I don't think I'd even complete, no, I hadn't completed it. Uh, So, yeah, I went through it and completed it. And then completed it some more and completed it some more and (laughs) built up loads of money and completed it mate exactly and yeah just put got loads of new guns and then loads of upgrades for those guns and then infinite ammo for the best of those guns and now i'm doing a run through on veteran which is the current highest difficulty setting so yeah really cool really enjoying that as a blast it's great so this is something I've, I've never been able to do um, on those sort of games. Uh, but when I say those sort of games, anything that's story-based or a f- good few hours long, I can't... Once I've completed it, I'm going on it on whatever difficulty, whether that's easy, medium, hard, whatever. I'll complete it that once, and I can't go back again. Um, I've never understood the appeal of that, personally. So what makes... Like, when you do it, because I know it's something you will do, on quite a few different games why why do you go back and rinse it well i think if the des- the game is deliberately designed that way then it's much more understandable so if it isn't there are people who get obsessed but and just want to keep playing it so breath of the wild for example is not a game that is designed for you to just go and play it over and over again it's you know it's an experience and you're supposed to go through it but some people do but Resident Evil 5 is very much like 4, designed as... It's almost like two different games. So there's the first time you play it, or even the first couple of times, you play it through where it's desperate survival and you're always running out of ammo and it's about the tension of not knowing what's around the next corner and you know the horror of that. But then when you play it more and you get more weapons and you're more powerful, it becomes about optimization and about you know getting better kit and how quickly you can do things and watching how different it is to defeat stuff much more quickly than on your first playthrough when you got a tiny little pistol and a couple of rounds left so it, it kind of rewards more and more input in a way that even sort of 10 years later games don't tend to because they they kind of section that often section that stuff off into dlc mm. so you know your your expanded experience is something that you pay for or that you wait for at the very least whereas this is something that has a lot of replay value just built into it so yeah it's that really it's that arcadey thing of even when you've defeated it you enjoy the combat loop and the the action so much that you just want to keep re-engaging with it 
Yeah, no, that that's fair enough. It's uh, but I say it's just one of those things I've never been able to get my head around. I, I don't know why. You know, give me Tetris, I'll play that forever. But that's because it's just a short gameplay loop. I don't know if it's the again maybe it's an ADHD factor with me. I don't know if it's because of the length of the game. Um, now I know uh, Resident Evil Five's fairly short in the grand scheme of things. But still, to me, it's got a lot of length to it. And that kind of puts me off wanting to go back through from the beginning. I remember having that issue with the with Diablo 3, uh, which is a game designed for you to play through again and again and again. And I, I kind of got there and went, I don't want to do this bit again. Um, I've done it. So I don't, I don't know. I'm glad there are people who do like playing them time and time again and finding something new from them or even those that will eke out every little bit of content because it's great that the developers are getting their work seen um and i suppose it's what builds like what eventually builds things like the speedrun community as well so yeah no i'm glad you're enjoying it you're crazy for playing it that <laughs> many times but um <laughs> well the achiever t- improve <laughs> <laughs> yeah because i've given her a, a magnum which is pretty much a one-hit kill on most enemies, uh, with infinite ammo. So that tends to ra- raise the uh, the amount of damage she puts out pretty considerably. Yep. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, you know, you can sit there, like I've sat there and played Lumens for, you know, God, like three hours and gone, oh God, that's just disappeared. And it's just the same game and the same sort of levels. And then I've played something that's, an action game and uh, completing it has felt like it's taken 10 years and it was only a couple of hours long so you can flip those on the head as well so it just depends on, on how you feel about a given game I reckon so yeah no it's it's definitely about how particular games chime with your personality isn't it yes now, I don't know if that was a deliberate segue but if not it was pretty damn perfect <laughs> oh, well that's me uh, be- <laughs> because I've been playing Chime Sharp ooh Oh uh, no, that's that, that's a you know well that's a brilliant segue into that. For anyone who doesn't know, Chime Sharp is the sequel to puzzle game Chime, and there's a reason I love Chime uh, as a series, and I'll come back to that in a second. But basically, it's the easiest way to describe it is you're given a grid, and the idea is to completely fill a grid up with area coverage. So you put together these. Uh, Tetris-like pieces. They're not actually tetrominoes because they're all different sizes and shapes. But the idea is you put them together and as soon as you create a pattern that's like at least a 4 by no, 3 by 3 square, they've merged together and they create a bit of coverage. And the idea is you build up multipliers by doing as many as you can on the go without the odd little bits disappearing. You build up coverage to get high score and to 100% coverage and area. It is both the most relaxing and most stressful game you can play. And Chime Sharp came out in 2017, and I think I played it to death then. Um, and kind of fell off it in the last year, year and a half. And then for whatever reason, start, I think I was just in one of those moods, and I needed to relax and uh, escape. And yeah, then I, I kind of just got really, really into it again. The, let's say the original Chime came out for a few pounds on Xbox Live Arcade. And Zoe Mode, the developers, basically released it as a way to raise money for charity. 
Um, and I think like most of what they earned from it went to charity. And it's just a really, really good game that I still think flew under the radar a bit. Um, it's, I mean, it does, it does that thing that Tetris does. The the first levels of both games just hook you in really, really well. Um, but it's also got that Lumines factor as well, where it will just. You know, you can if you're good enough at it, you can go for a long, long time. Um, and it's kind of both those games merged into one. And what's I've always found a shame is it's never got the recognition that I think the game deserves. Um, I don't know if you ever played either of the Chime games. Yeah, I, I either got it. I can't remember now. I either got it like dirt cheap in a bundle, or I got it on um, PlayStation, you know, PSN. Um, yeah, but. Yeah, no, I thought it was okay. I mean, I fall into the camp of... And, like, you know, I know that it, this will sound daft, but everyone's got their own thing of, like... It's a genre where the the best the best way of playing that already kind of exists in Tetris and some other types, you know, of, of variants. And I feel that I personally felt Chime was lesser than that uh, I, I may that probably unfair but it that's just how it felt to me it's why I never really played a lot of like Super Puzzle Fighter or you know any any number of those sorts of things it's just because they, they felt like they were basically you know in that Tetris style but just didn't bring enough different to make it worthwhile but you know that no one should take my opinion on puzzle games because it's one of my least played genres so where i would agree with you on so play something like chime sharp it's lesser than tetris and i totally agree with you there but it depends on the context of which you you put that i think so to use maybe sort of like boxing as an example Tetris is Muhammad Ali. Doesn't matter what anything else happens beyond that now. It will always be known that Tetris is the greatest. And that's where you hold it. So anything else is lesser than Tetris. Uh, and I will I will fight that call until the day I die. And so if you look at it as Tetris is the pinnacle and you then put everything, every other puzzle game, compare it to Tetris, then... They're all going to show disappointments. Now, there's plenty where I could say about Chime Sharp, such as like the um, the change from the visual presentation they did. I had to use colorblind mode on it, for example, and I've never really needed colorblind mode because of the pastel colors, the past yeah pastel color pa- pastel shades that are on there. I I struggled with some of that on some levels. And it lacks things that Tetris has done well over the years in terms of quality of life. So Tetris it has what's known as a bag. So the idea is the pieces are all in a bag. Um, there's seven pieces and you're guaranteed that you will get them in a, in a certain length. So in something like 21 drawers, you're guaranteed to get the same piece twice for example. So you can semi-plan what you're doing in Tetris. In Chime, it feels like it's just completely RNG. Right. There's, there's no pattern to it. So you'd set up certain, uh, certain shapes and go, right, so when this next one comes out, I can make a perfect quad here, 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 and here. But then you'll get 
the most awkward bit five times in a row. And that 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 definitely take, takes away from me. Someone who's a Tetris fan and got used to modern Tetris, then doing that goes, let's just ruin that game because the time's going to run out. I'm not getting enough coverage because I can't make the quads that I want. So you then panic and try to do other bits. Um, and it's obviously it's a design decision. Um, and it works, I would say, 90% of the time. It's absolutely fine. But you do get those frustrations that you don't get with Tetris because you know that if you, like, for example, I've done it in Tetris before where I've planned to do a T-spin and triple. And then the bit I've needed hasn't quite come. But then I'll force myself to go, right, I know it's going to come in a minute. So I'll try and see if I can get around it. So you have to teach yourself whether to go for things or not. Whereas this, it's completely guesswork. Um, and it, again, I, I don't want to sound like I'm shit on it, but it's I, I absolutely love the game. But I get where you're coming from with it because it's it, you know I say Tetris is Muhammad Ali, you know Chime Sharp is I don't know who's a, who's a modernish boxer who's quite real respected. One of those. Pick a modern boxer. Use that name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know why I use the boxing analogy. I don't know anything about boxing apart from Harry Darley and Fred Bruno. No, me neither. Um, yeah. Oh, what was that? Um, Barry? Not was it Barry McGuigan, the little guy, little Irish fella. That's the yes, one. It was. Yeah, there you yes. go. So my knowledge goes back thirty years, but ends thirty years ago as well. Yes, and obviously Tyson Fury. Everyone knows who Tyson Fury is, but I don't think ah. that's as much to do with boxing as just he's um, a cheeky chappy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, really good chime sharp. Another one I want to touch on before we see what else you you might have been playing is one called y- Yaga, Baba Yaga. It's like based on the the, the Slavic folk tales of Baba Yaga, and it's a really, 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 really good hack and slash Diablo, maybe not Diablo, yeah, Diablo esque, I suppose in a way, Hades esque, dungeon crawler esque. I don't know how many more times I can say esque type thing. <laughs> River esque. <laughs> and it is just blew me away. Do you know when you get a game where you, you play it, where you go in with no expectation whatsoever, uh, for whatever reason, you've either not heard of it or, you know, it's just little fanfare and you go in with no expectation and then you come away from it going, oh my God, what have I just played? That is special. Uh, that's what Yaga is. It's a, a really, really well-made game. It looks beautiful, and you go through maps. You know how you uncover maps on Ease and stuff like that? Yeah. With ease. I can never know if I pronounce that right. No, it is Ease, isn't ease. it? Ease, like geese. Yes. Yeah, ease. apparently. Ease. Okay, there we go. As you go through the map, it uncovers more of where you've been. It does that thing, which is really good. Um, you've got melee weapons, and you've got um, distance weapons, and it's... Really simple control mechanics. So one button for melee, one button for distance, one button for shielding, and then another button for using potions. And you have this really good mechanic that's... Bear with me here because it is a good mechanic. A moral meter. Um, Nice. Whereby interact... Does it it work? Trust me. Um, Interactions you have with various characters will give you a fairly black and white standard of, oh, this is... Um, going to add to your bad luck because you acted selfishly or this will um, get, take away from it because you acted righteously, uh, which is really good. And 
it, at the start, I don't know if it's because I chose that I don't believe in magic as one of my options, but every time I use a magic potion to heal or get my willpower back, it adds to my bad luck meter. Right. So you go through levels into battles and you're battling away. You've really got to think about how aggressive you are because if you filled up your bad luck meter, you don't want it filling up anymore. So you're like, oh no, but I've got to heal. Do I heal now or do I try and risk getting through? And it's, it makes you think about your approach to gameplay. And you don't want it to fill in up because basically if you fill it up, um, this beast from Slavic folklore and the name of the beast like, has really slipped my mind. Uh, that happens a lot with me. So that will hunt you down and there's a chance it might meet you and destroy you. So you don't want to fill that up because it just it can ruin a game for you in a good way but it's just a really really good game and i went into it initially going i do you know i'll give it a quick blast um see what it's like um just so i can start prepping my review and it just drew me in absolutely drew me in and in a post hades world it's not as good as hades if hades hadn't yet released this game yaga would have been held up as a shining example of how to do this sort of game because it is absolutely wonderful and everyone talks in rhymes in it as well and i love a game that does that <laughs> that's that's a nice touch yeah which is actually because the, the one thing the writing's really good actually it's not hades level of good but it is really good better than a lot of games of that ilk. um and they do it all rhyming but you get sections where either they couldn't think of rhymes or the information they had to get across was important enough they shouldn't be rhyming it and those are really jarring, those moments where it doesn't rhyme. Right. I was like, oh, rhyme some more. Yeah. Please. But yeah, like really good. I recommend anyone check that out. It's definitely out on PC. Um, and I believe also it is also out on um, Switch and other consoles, either now or later this year. Excellent. Um, so you been playing anything else? No, no, absolutely nothing else. Been consumed with Resident Evil 5 pretty much. In that case, one more I'm going to mention then is briefly played this, and we'll do more on it as we go, is I've uh, been given a beta code to Everspace 2. Nice. Um, did you ever play the original Everspace yourself, Stu? No, no, I didn't. So to give a bit of context what this is, Everspace was a roguelike space looter shooter that I was terrible at, but it was just really, really good. Um, just a really, really good game. Um, and it, it lent he heavily, heavily into the roguelike aspect. Everspace 2, on the other hand, has kind of taken that away um, and gone for more of a standard RPG-style looter shooter. Um, so the roguelike elements so far seem to be gone. I've only done a couple of missions into it because it is only in early access at the moment, but... Boy, does it look lovely. Um, there's something about a well-crafted space game that just looks spectacular. Yeah. Um, I don't know, it's because... Is it harder to make that look good because of, like, all the stars or anything, or because it's mainly a black void and you're filling in the black void? It's actually easier to make stuff look really good. I've never, I've never quite got my head around that, whether they've been able to make it look good because it's easy or whether it's such great craftsmanship uh, because i don't think i've ever played a bad looking 
space game of like of the big boys, even going back to like the GameCube days and the uh, Star Wars ones, they look spectacular and still look good to this day, even though they've aged. I don't know if it's just easier to to pump up the graphics on those because it's mainly a black background. That might have something to do with it. I mean, I think in general, I, I think in film, it's it's hard to make them look good. I think you have to try. You have to have great designs. It's why Star Wars did so well. Why Star Trek? You know the ships. Even if you ask somebody who's practically never seen it, what the ships look like, they could describe them. You know. Um, oh, you can definitely work out what the Millennium Falcon in uh, Star Trek is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You got it bang on. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I think some of that carries across into games as well. Like, it gives you that opportunity to have like a blank canvas in the background and really show off your character models whether they're pe- you know pe- people or, or spaceships or whatever so yeah no it probably does help because if you still if you look back at like X-Wing and TIE Fighter and stuff like that they still look really good I mean obviously they look old but they, they look good yeah they've aged better than a lot of other games of that generation yeah and you know you look at Elite Dangerous although that's probably constantly been updated over the years but that's been out six seven years now yeah, about at that. least yeah um and that just still blows away a lot of other games in terms of its visuals yeah so but yeah everspace 2 it's another one it looks lovely the uh my early impressions um so far are really good but we'll definitely do we'll work with this one um a bit more before it um gets its full release but no really happy with this one that i've got it Awesome. Yeah, I, I've been keeping my eye on that one. I think I might might pick it up when it becomes, you know, full, the full game. Yeah. Yes. When that'll be, I don't know. Um, but the fact it's now released in open beta would suggest it's probably not too far away. Yeah, it's been, um, it's been advertised for pre-order on Steam, so it's got to be fairly yeah. close. Yes. Um, it does that feel, actually, just one more fit on it. It does that a style that I really, really like for cutscenes that I don't think you see enough of. Um, but it kind of does these fully realised painted cutscenes that are animated like storyboards. So you kind of get these like still pictures with these slight transitions to sort of what it would look like a couple of seconds later kind of thing. These really smooth transition storyboarding type things. I really like that style and we don't see enough of it. I'd like to see a I'd actually like to see a game base a game around that storyboarding properly. Hmm. I'm not sure how I feel about that. I'll have to have a think. I'll, what I'll do is I'll try and capture some footage of um, of the of how Everspace Two does it, and I'll show you. I mean, it's not a game mechanic. It's just I just really, really love that style of, of storytelling. Yeah, yeah, fair play. So moving on, no clever segues this time. Uh, a couple of bits I really want to cover on the, on, on the mental health side of things. Um, one is I want to talk about the perception of what mental health is still to people. And it boggles my mind that we are still needing to sort of like talk about this as a point in it, after the year we've just had and where we are, the understanding that we should have on things. Um, and that is you've got to be miserable to have depression and when you look at the amount over the years of celebrities who have taken their own lives because of because of depression 
and you often get the the reaction of outpouring of emotion is obvious, but the oh you wouldn't have guessed it they're they're funny they're always happy and it's like right so surely that has got to be your main point of reference that the person you're seeing shouldn't always be crying or upset or in a bad mood or miserable just because just because they've got depression. Most people who, and again, this isn't talking for everyone, but I would say most people who've got depression badly are amazing at hiding it. Absolutely amazing at hiding it. Um, and you, they will often be not the life and soul of the party, but they will often be the ones who will make a little joke here and there, have a laugh, they've got a smile on their face. Um, the smile and the laughter is sometimes genuine. Much of the time, it's there as a as a way of cloaking their emotions to other people. But don't just assume it, it, that because someone's in a good mood, or you see them sort of like be positive for a period of time, that it means they are better. Um, that they are suddenly oh, they're not depressed anymore uh, because it's still depression is still seen as this thing that is switched on and off. Mm. And it's yeah, it's just something I saw on, on on social media over the past week or so, and it's just kind of really got to me a bit that there was this. I don't want to say belittling of depression, but there was this kind of pigeonholing of depression again that I thought we'd got over. Yeah, I think that there's a. It feels to me as though there's a a desire to pigeonhole stuff that people don't understand very well, and you know, depression isn't a mood disorder. It doesn't mean that if you have it, it makes you down and unhappy. It's it's a mental illness in the way that a physical illness affects your mood. So if you hurt your leg, if you broke your leg, then obviously the pain and the discomfort and the you know the lack of movement and all these sorts of things, sometimes they're going to make you really unhappy, lower your mood. Sometimes you're going to forget about it and you're not going to be bothered whatsoever. And that's exactly the same as mental illness. It's... It's yeah. not a mood disorder. It doesn't mean if you've got it, you're unhappy. It means that you, you have a, a, an illness that impacts you. And sometimes you can treat it better than at other times. And yeah, no, people don't understand that. And I I often think, you know, it's it's probably something... That, and I don't think this... Certainly not in my lifetime will ever happen. But I think it would be so much better if it, they were, it was taught about in schools, at primary school level. Um I don't think it will because I think that the authorities still think that like sex and sex education that to talk about it means you're going to make people do it you know Yeah. Uh, and I think they believe that if you talk about mental illness it will make people mentally ill which of course is ridiculous and stupid but there you go that's where we are I don't want my kids learning about sexuality I don't you know <laughs> they might become queer no. Yeah, no. it's as if saying anything about anything will open you up to to that sort of thing. And it's like, no, it might explain the way you already feel, but it won't turn you into something that you're not already, you know? And that's the same with mental illness. It's the same with being gay. It's the same with being trans. It's the same with everything. Um, but yeah, no, I think if they, if they had that understanding earlier on, that would help a lot. And you can teach people in adulthood, but obviously then that's a bigger training exercise because it become you have to normalize it then into your adult life whereas if you learn it as a child it's just the truth you know it's just you know fact so yeah 
Yeah. Yeah, you're un- to, to, to teach it to an adult, you're undoing years and years of learning. Exactly, um, yeah. I, this is why I've all, always, always been a big fan of um, the grandfather system, which is let people who already learn one way carry on as they are. Let them carry on as they are um, and try and educate them where possible. But everyone that's growing up now, teach them this way of doing things. We all know, um, as adults, our generation, that saying certain words is wrong. We learned that and we was taught that very early, whereas our grandparents, for example, were taught that those words were fine. Uh, they weren't offensive. Um, and it was sometimes it was a term of endearment. We learned different, so we don't use them. So our kids won't even understand some of the words that are out there. It's, you know, I, I would, you know, feel free to bleep this um, in terms of the word used if, if it needs to be. Um, but I'm using this for context. But the word for example, my kids haven't even heard that word. They don't know what that is. That's great. Whereas I know what it is, and I won't use it because I know it's wrong, but generations before me, it wasn't, it was just used. It was both an insult, um, but also a term of endearment. So people would say, I'm off to the shop. Um, without understanding that the person working in there wasn't actually Pakistani, they were possibly Indian or Bangladeshi, you know, but it was a catch-all for anyone brown at the time. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't an insult. It was like they, they knew Sandeep in the shop, and he was like, they'd have a laugh with him, they'd have a laugh with him, but it was a term of endearment. And they didn't know that was a wrong word to use. We did, we stopped using it, and our kids and the generation... Most of them won't have heard of it, and potentially by their the generation below them, it's a word that's never used again. You know, and it's you know how we learned that slavery. I was say how we learned that slavery is wrong, but slavery's just changed a bit now. We don't um, just you know round up black people and turn them into slaves. What we actually do now is we pay people way below what they should actually be earning, and basically make their lives a living hell and what we've done is just move it from just black people to those who are below a certain living condition but that's for another time but yet we've learned that generally slavery as we knew it is wrong and i don't think anyone of our generation for sure would even consider slavery a good deal or something that we can do but again it's learned behavior that you learned in school from a young age and yeah as with mental health Start teaching it from a young age of to recognise mental health. All it needs is, you know, why is so and so acting in this way today? Well, this this is what happens. This they, this is their feelings that they could have at the moment. This is why they're being like this. So, how do you think you can approach that person? What questions could you ask them? And just start asking those questions with them. It hasn't got to be. I think people still have this fundamental idea that when you're learning stuff in school, it's a lesson teacher stands in front of the school and this is today's lesson whereas a lot of teaching a lot of lessons they learn are just through everyday interaction yeah yeah um that that's all it takes you know we i know someone on the forum we both do who's got a child who is who at the moment sees himself as male and i don't think obviously they're not starting to transitioning yet although i do apologize if i'm wrong they may have gone look down that path but their child identifies as male and has continued to do so, and they supported it, and they are so strong and absolutely love what how supportive they are of their child. 
Um, and the school, I believe, is fairly supportive. And from what I understand, kids don't care. Yeah. The other yeah. kids don't care. And it, the, the only reason they start to not care or because of it is they're taught that it's wrong or it's weird or it's different. As I said, I'm not, I'm not gay. I wouldn't say my sexuality is gay. I'm not bisexual. But when I now look at back, it's like I had to be sh- a straight cis male. And that's how I had to be at school. Whereas now I, I would consider myself, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, gender neutral, you know, because I don't fit into any stereotypes. I would say I'm completely pansexual because, again, I don't care what gender someone is. Um, I ha- I happen to be in a relationship with, with, you know, with a straight female. So, you know, I'm in a heterosexual relationship, but I'm, I just find the person attractive. And I like the person, couldn't care less who they are, what gender they are, what their sexual preference is. It's, I find the person attractive. But I couldn't, I didn't know how to express that when I was younger. Because if you was any bit different in the 80s and 90s, that was it. Your life was hell. Yeah. And I was pretty badly at school anyway, so it's not as if it was something I was going to shout from the rooftop. And that all leads to depression. And it's learning how if you don't allow people to have their differences... And, you know, I'm not saying we have to celebrate differences, but if you don't allow people to have their differences and let that difference be normal, that's what leads to depression. Um, Again, I didn't know how to act in certain ways. And now, looking back, knowing it's because of the ADHD, I didn't know how to act in certain ways. I'd get a reaction that I wasn't expecting. That would then grow further and further to other things such as bullying. And it made me depressed because of actions and not and not understanding it so yeah education is 100% the key here but it's I, I, I don't even know if it's going to be the next generation it'll be the ones to sort of really get a grasp of it because our generation still on the whole and definitely the generation above us are fighting everything that's not normal or the old normal in schools you know, we still got this idea that to learn the best way, kids must go into school five times a week from nine till three, and they must learn at this time in this set way. So I don't know when we'll start to do it and how, you know. I suppose as long as the fight's there and we need to talk about mental health, it keeps us going, so. Yeah, no, I think that... Uh... <laughs> actually funnily enough ties into your wage slavery thing quite a bit is like clear that the government wants a nine to three school system so that people can just go into their wage slave jobs that's part of it it's not the whole story but it's definitely part of it because they're treating school as not oh well we put the child's interests and the way that they learn first it's they we their childcare so that you know teachers are childcare so that people can go to their jobs there's still a lot of that around but i mean that's still that's a separate debate what's you know completely but yeah i think that's a part of it i'm gonna get my um my philosophers and great thinkers mixed up because i always do because i know this stuff but i can never equate who does it properly but the old way of thinking was modern technology would mean that we don't have to work anymore um and america's america especially has got this obsession with work i don't think we've got it as bad but we still got it bad but the idea was modern technology would come in and it would help us that we didn't have to work and that society would find a way for people to survive without the need to work. And the technology's there. But those in power have continued 
to want that power. They've made sure people have had to have jobs. Um, they've needed to have these types of jobs, these blue-collar jobs that could be automated to a degree, apart from a few skilled people who could continue to do it and let them earn well because they're the few skilled people who can do it and let everyone just get on with their lives. And that adds a lot to depression because if you're someone who gets crippling depression, um, and that could mean behind closed doors, you get up at 10 o'clock in the morning on a Thursday, for example, and then by 11 o'clock, you're actually back in bed under the covers because it just, you know, doesn't hurt to move because that's the wrong word, but it's just, you know, just, no, you just can't, you just can't be up, you just can't face the day. Um, and there's nothing to force you up then. Yeah, you'll go, you'll go back to bed. Um, which might seem lazy so you're not going you can't you you don't go out and you haven't gone out to get a job or you can't get a job you can't hold a job it's seen as laziness when it's anything but and yeah it's again it all it all comes into sort of society and our understanding of all these these things the way life works the way everything comes together and just needing better understanding i i don't know how far away we are from it at all which adds to the depression in a way that it just doesn't look like there's a a solution even round the corner, even though it's staring us in the face. I think I think um, it's weird because you've got COVID happening and because you've got Brexit happening, which is stupid. But I think that Brexit and the whole Trump thing are a reaction against the positive stuff, and yeah. they're like brief flashes in the pan. Whereas we're actually heading in the right direction. So I think that until things become sort of codified in law, they don't become popularised. But I think there's been so many things that have incrementally improved after lots and lots of pressure and made either illegal or, you know, society, society sees them as undesirable, that um, it's definitely moving in a good direction that way. So, we, you know, we've criminalised hate speech, uh, within the last sort of 20 years you know g uh, gay marriages come in you know we're working on the whole trans thing that's a big battle at the moment uh sorry i hate to say the trans thing but do you know what i mean without going yeah, yeah, into yeah, I've huge, spent most yeah. of the time explaining like explaining especially the yeah. i hope this is out of context i hope i don't get this wrong bit and you spend five minutes doing that yeah that's fine uh, yeah <laughs> exactly, just accept yeah. anyone um, whenever we say something if we have a slip of the tongue that's not on purpose honestly Absolutely. So inclusivity and banning hate speech and, and uh, things like that have really surged forward in the last sort of 20 to 30 years. Uh, and, you know, it's illegal to do a lot of stuff. And that won't change everybody's opinion. But the more people, the more kids who come into a world where those things are illegal or legal, like, you know, gay marriage, it'll immediately just be accepted to them. So, you know, that's progressive and you can't see i'm crossing my fingers here but you can't see those laws going backwards you know they very very rarely go backwards laws both good and bad very rarely get overturned unless there's a huge upheaval in in the way that a democracy runs so yeah you know part of what adds to i want to say adds to the depression because it's a, a catch-all is Watching the resistance to, I think, people seeing that there's a tipping point happening. Um, I think the reason governments aren't jumping behind a universal basic income 
is because they know it's a tipping point that when people realize that society can function really really well without everyone being forced into work or you know the old style of work they will never be able to come back from that and what they've done recently or what i've seen rumored and it's one that got me and when i first saw it i initially went oh yeah that'll be cool is they're still trying to slash the £20 a week extra that they've put on universal credit. But they dangled that carrot of, but we'll give everyone on universal credit a one-off £500 payment. And I... That's bribery. I kind of saw that first of all, because when my partner said, oh, you know, they're looking to... I went, oh, that'd be cool. You know, put it towards the move or, or whatever. Um, buy a PlayStation, I don't know. Uh, which is exactly what they want, by the way. Um, and that's that's what it's for. It's go out and waste it. Oh, look at that! You've had five. Oh, you wasted your money that we gave you. I'm realising that five hundred pounds is half of a year worth of extra in one go, designed for you to to do that and placate the idea that oh, well, I've got five hundred quid in one go. I don't need twenty quid a week. Twenty quid a week's actually not that much when they're giving you five hundred quid. And so yeah, it is as you said. It's bribery. <laughs> it's yeah stick with us stick with the, the, the yeah. crap way of doing things we'll give you 500 quid for it because yeah i'd quite happily someone said to me look you can pay me a tenner a week for a year or just give me 200 quid as soon as you, you know in the next few weeks oh i'll take the one off payment off you go exactly that's you off my back and then it's when you realize what they're actually trying to do you get another day of going oh, What's the point? It's everything I try and do that's positive, it's thrown back in my face by those in power. And again, it's it's not something that's really discussed. Um, no one's going to, um, you know, if they announce it properly in one of the speeches, no one's going to turn around and go, so, Prime Minister, um, is this just bribery um, to try and keep people down? Or, you know, wh- why are you doing this? And then you'll hear Boris Johnson. He's got one of those voices that sounds like he's constantly lying. I know he is constantly lying, but he's got one of those voices. <laughs> but he also sounds like it, But yeah, he sounds yeah. like he's always trying to go, right, in his mind he's going, what did I say last week? Let's just make sure I'm not making that, making sure that that's an obvious lie with this lie. And he's constantly doing that, which I know is hypocritical coming from me because I'm always stumbling over my words and thinking and thinking and thinking. But it's just got my voice. It sounds like he's trying to cover one lie with another lie, but not the wrong lie <laughs> all the time whenever he speaks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it, we, we don't challenge enough. And, but I, I, I think it's a case of People who are depressed or have any kind of mental illness will go from being the most empowered people you know who will be motivated, determined, and want to get through what they want to get through one day. And then the next day, you you, you could go to them and go, right, come on, are we on this again? And they're like, nah, I can't today. Which is, it needs more people in our corner fighting for it. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think unless you've been through it, and everyone can have a depressive episode. There's a difference between having, uh, a, you know, being depressed for a couple of weeks because you've lost a job or, you know, a relationship's ended or something like that. That's have, that's being, a, you know, having a depressive episode. Having depression is a completely different thing. And again, yeah. that needs understanding. But I say, there's a lot of things, I think, as a society we don't understand yet. So we are some way away. True. Hopefully we'll get there, though. Mm. 
I was going to talk, try and talk a bit about um, the reaction to rumours of GTA 6 having a possible female lead, but we'll save that till next week. Fair enough. Oh, something to look forward to there. I'm not going to be ranting <laughs> about incels and their anger. Oh, God, no. <laughs> of course that won't come up. <laughs> I'm sure this time round they'll be absolutely fine with it. <laughs> yeah, don't go, don't go on the internet. <laughs> yeah, again, ever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's ridiculous. Also, I've got to make sure. So this is really, I, I come up with these ideas. I've by next week as well. Chances are Jim Sterling have covered it, so it'll look like I'm just copying Jim Sterling again. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it, it, it kind of because I agree with a lot of what he says when it comes to how things are handled, like the AAA gaming market, the levels of abuse there are, um, and basically having morals, then yes, I agree with him quite a lot of the time, but we seem to cover some quite a lot of the same stuff. I'm honestly not copying him. So if he has covered GTA 6 having a female protagonist, I did come up with it this week. I didn't say I'm getting ahead of the game on this one. <laughs> Yeah, we should have a chat about Jim Sterling sometime because he's re- he's a kind of he's a key to what how you can look like a prism of how you can look at games reporting and games journalism at the moment. Um, I agree that he's he's worthwhile. You know, I think the, a lot of the reason people hate him is for the wrong reasons. So they pick up yeah, on well, his character, which is the weirdest thing. Um. He's always still seen as a fat antagonist, which is how people see him. Um, I say him, sorry, how they see Jim Sterling, because he is transitioning. I don't, I can't actually remember what Jim said about pronouns yet, but so I'll refer to as Jim Sterling rather than him at the moment until I know. Cool, yeah. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll definitely chat about Jim next week maybe well, cover, cover the whole thing, do a... the whole thing next week because as I say I dare say knowing what he what Jim Sterling covers will cover GTA 6 so it might as well encapsulate the whole thing together yeah sounds good there you go and that, that, that's a little insight into planning meetings it either happens at the end of one episode or right at the beginning of the next that, that is literally all that goes into it yep, yep. so yeah that's I've, I've got nothing else for today I kind of rambled a bit so you've got your work cut out editing so it's over to you to see us out. No, it's easy. I just find the delete button and just keep hitting it over and over and over. Uh, yeah, no, Forget that's that it for entire one. track. That's fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, again, just to quickly before you do, Sandra, that is one of the things. Again, we laugh and joke on here. Doesn't mean we don't we're not suffering internally at times. By the way, uh, just because we can laugh and joke and mock each other, that's coping. But there, there we go. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's the only way to get through. That's where trust comes in. But anyway, yes, that's another debate. Oh, there you go. I suppose it's good that we've always got topics to talk yeah. about, so that's cool. And I'll, I'll see us out there before Brad interrupts again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's it for this week. So, thanks again for listening. And as usual, all of our links are on our webpage, which is mentalhealthgaming.com. And most of our chat is on the Discord channel, which is really well used and is a great place to come and hang out talk about games and talk about mental health and anything else that you want to talk about and also you know we've got plenty of content on youtube and on twitter and if you want to help us financially you can sign up for patreon or you can help us in a one-off with coffee apart from that just have a great week take care and stay safe mm-hmm.